The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. I'm Ben Bullen. And Scott, I would like to welcome you to the future. The future? Well, maybe the future. Is this like, it feels like I'm on a Disney ride or something. Yes, yes. uh, It's a a regular Epcot Center-inspired podcast here. (laughs) It kind of is. Did you you ever, ever go to Epcot Center? I have, yes. Did you ever take that future ride? Yes. You know what, the one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're And you can about. choose like which environment you want to mm-hmm. leave uh, the ride from sure. through. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Man, I love that. I never got to try all of the environments. Well, the lines are too long. The right? lines are too long. Mm-hmm. I would have waited. Yeah. Well, you know what you may have found in there? Some uh, automotive advancements as well, right? Yeah, no Maybe. kidding. I, w- I would think that there was there something some. in there. Yeah, yeah, there had to have been some, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and usually when we're talking about advancements like this, we're talking about like safety issues, information issues, sure. a lot of times comfort issues. Yeah. Um, but in this case, I think we're talking about uh, some technology that may uh, may represent like completely revolutionary advancements, things that, you know, you just, they're so far out there. It's not like tweaking something that's already there. It's more right. like, in a lot of these cases, um, it's it's more like something brand new to us, something that we've just never even heard of. Yes. And what are we talking about? We are talking about five future car technologies. Wait for it. That truly have a chance. Yep. Now, that, uh, that, that last little qualifier there is where this is really, really important because we talk about a lot of, um, you know, pie in the sky ideas that, sure. you know, that, yeah, flying cars and things like that. And I know someone's going to say that they already have flying cars, but, you know, we're we, not talking about the Terrafugia. We're no. not talking about one car. We're just saying, you're probably not going to be in a flying car traffic jam. I shouldn't have even said it, but uh, you know, <laughs> other things that you know, like the uh, the sun visor that has a spot that moves around to cover the sunshine, mm-hmm. you know, based on the, the place where the uh, the driver's eyes are located. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's th- there's a, there's a wide open world of of new technologies out there that uh, that we've we've talked about a lot of different things that just 
quite frankly, Ben, a lot of them aren't going to happen. Yeah, I think a lot of them for uh, various factors are going to remain sort of the realm of science fiction and wouldn't it be cool. Just, uh, for instance, uh, what was that one? And it was kind of just show-offy. We did an episode on luxury cars of the future. Yeah. One of our very first episodes, that I think. way, way back, yeah. Yeah, and uh, one of the cars had a waterfall or something. <laughs> yeah, in and it. a Zen garden. Yeah. Below, uh, I think it was below plexiglass in the floor so mm-hmm. that you could you could stand on top of it. And um, so some of that stuff is is just not going to happen. What makes these five technologies a little bit different is that we have uh, evolved our material science by leaps and bounds. Yeah, these will have a, a real practical purpose. And uh, and these are ones that, you know, in a way we can see these maybe happening. And you, we mentioned this in the past, I know, but we have we've developed a, a bit of a sniffer for these type of things. Yeah. You know, are, we, are we able to... Uh, kind of uh, weed out the ones that we think may happen, the ones mm-hmm. we don't think will happen. Um, we've got a uh, an article on our site, on our on the HowStuffWorks.com site, um, titled the same thing, Five Future Car Technologies That Truly Have a Chance. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the writer, Christopher Niger, um, he, he dug out five really good ones here. And I think this is what we should go through is just in, in descending order, five, four, three, two, one. Sure. And um, I don't think there's any kind of weight on these as far as what we think is going to happen first or last nah, or anything like that. It's no just, chronology. Just a random order, but, you know, you get yeah. in a list, you do it 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. We will also, yeah, it's more exciting. Mm-hmm. We will also uh, talk about some of the other things that relate to these. Uh, this may These topics may be familiar to some of our uh, loyal or long-time listeners because we've touched on a lot of these. Yeah, some of these won't be, you know, completely... You know, in outer space, uh, mm-hmm. some of these will be that that you know we have we've mentioned these and and they're familiar with them and and uh, as a matter of fact, some of them are already on their way. I mean, even since we've talked about them, they're they're they've advanced to the point where I'm hearing more about them and on daily news updates, yeah. um, you know, from manufacturers and things like that. So, uh, you want to start with number five? Yes. Without any further ado, Scott, number five: cars that communicate with each other. And the road. Yeah, this one comes from MIT engineers. So it's not really in a vehicle yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you pay attention to what we're saying, it's not that there's good communication, you know, within the vehicle. Like you know, the the, <laughs> the modules within the vehicle are communicating, you know, among themselves, which they do in almost every new car, really. Right. Um, actually, in every new car, uh, we're talking about vehicle to vehicle communication or V two V communication, mm-hmm. as they call it. Um, and even in one case, they're, we're going to talk about. Uh, what is V2I, which is vehicle to infrastructure. Right. Um, so th- there's all kinds of potential here, right? Yeah. So here is the idea. And we this is an idea that we've discussed in our, what, 5, 16 podcast on self-driving vehicles? 37. 37 sounds like a good number. Uh, the thing that makes autonomous vehicles potentially so interesting from a safety perspective, is that it may remove the possibility of human error. However, you know, of course, it does introduce a larger possibility of computer or technological error, but uh, it could have, again, this is a big if, if everything works out, then we could find parts of the world uh, functioning on a grid wherein a single system pretty much, or kind of a hive mind system, is 
controlling the speed at which cars move, the distance that they uh, maintain, and the safety maneuvers. And there's some pretty cool stuff here. Uh, I got to tell you, man, the idea still freaks me out a little. I see this as a, a slightly different way. I mean, I, from what they described, now see you and I got two different things out of this. Mm. Um, you're saying that it's more autonomous. I'm saying that uh, I think that it's more um, drivers in control most of the time. Oh yeah. Um, only in emergency situations would the uh, autonomous system kick in. In mm-hmm. that, you know, um, it, it would—it's uh, collision avoidance, I guess. Yeah, great um, clarification. So I think so. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, your interpretation of this is different than mine, but um, you know, I, th- I just see it as ways of like warning of potential collisions. So systems mm-hmm. that we already have systems that do that. Right. Lane variant systems, we have that. Um, the safe distance between cars, we have that with um, um, what's the advanced. Uh, um, speed control, yeah, cruise control. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Invented um, by Ralph Teeter. Very good, Ben. Very go. good. So, um, man, I think that there's there's an awful lot of of potential in this range, uh-huh. and, we, and we've already got a lot of these technologies. They're talking about just now making them communicate with each other. So right. you have two cars that have to operate on the same operating system, on the same, I guess, the same OS. If you're talking about computer systems, right? Right. And that uh, you know they would. Somehow communicate with each other. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going through this intersection. I'm, I'm traveling at 55 miles an hour. I can't stop. Yeah, um, I know it's other, red light. The other one is going, saying it's green light for me. Um, I'm not able to stop either, but I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you're not. You, I'm going 35. You're going 60. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a shot. You keep going. Yeah, I, I, it's a weird way to think about it. But it's that's true, though. That's that. That is a good idea, though. Just to clarify. Uh, I was only referencing our earlier stuff on autonomous cars. Sure. So this, uh, I'm glad that you make this point because what we're talking about is sort of almost like having a precision driver, a guardian angel, if you will, somewhere yeah. in your dashboard who is able to take the wheel when things get out of hand. That's perfect. That's a good, that's a great explanation of it. And, uh, um, and another way to look at this, um, well, another angle of this, mm-hmm. this whole thing is, uh, I mentioned the V2I, which is vehicle to infrastructure. So yes. Instead of vehicle to vehicle, it's vehicle to infrastructure. So, um, the, the car will recognize that there's a, a traffic light approaching and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it knows that in seven seconds it's going to change over to green and you're eight seconds away. I'm sorry. In seven seconds, it's going to turn to red, and you're eight seconds away. So yeah. that makes more sense, right? I mean, and and it would also know, for instance, uh, if there was construction coming yeah. up, or let's, I mean, a train is crossing the tracks, sure. or um, you know, it knows that the speed limit is forty-five, and you're going mm-hmm. sixty. Mm-hmm. It knows all different things like this. I mean, it's going to uh, if if they get the system in place. Now we've always talked about this. The infrastructure is the hard thing, right? Yeah, it's that's the expensive part. That's the really difficult part is to build an infrastructure for all the vehicles to work in the exact same way. And how long will it take to completely switch over? Mm-hmm. You know, someone's going to drive into town in an old pickup truck that uh, you know doesn't have all this new technology in it. Yeah. And how are they going to handle that? How is it going to adapt around all that? So uh, this one, you know, MIT engineers are working on it right now, mm-hmm. this this uh, V2V communication and V2I. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, right? Yeah, and the National Highway Transportation Safety Association, um, or administration, rather, uh, believes that this could reduce target vehicle crashes by 81%. Oh, that's huge. That number alone... I mean, we are talking about human lives. That number alone does make it 
I think, worth exploring. We think that this does truly have a chance. Um, in some of our earlier podcasts, we, we talk about how these, the, this sort of technology would likely begin in a small area. You know, uh, Ford is testing it, I believe, right now with mm-hmm. the V2V, but in a, um, in a denser urban environment or in a small locale where no other cars are allowed in, a closed system, then that's where we would probably see this start out. But we're not, I, I will eat my hat. If we see this rolled out across um, the oh. entirety of the United States oh, or something, okay, oh, okay, okay, I got it. Now, now Europe, now you can. Now Europe's you can, different. That's a safe bet, I would think. Now, what if? But what if they did this in like a, on a smaller scale? What if they did something like this in like a retirement community where there's golf cart travel? That's a great, great point. The same type of technology there. And just see how it works. Just, uh, just see, you know, what, what goes on there in, in a sealed, like you're talking about, a, uh, a sealed off community, yeah. you know, somewhere where they, they're in complete control of the vehicles that operate there. And it's relatively small enough that, you know, there's a lot of different situations with a lot of intersections, pedestrian travel, speed limits, you know, weather. That's a smart idea. It's very low. I don't know. It's a possibility. This Mother's Day, join CARE in honoring the resilience of mothers around the world. In Sierra Leone, facing one of the world's highest maternal mortality rates, one nurse named Zainab has not lost a single mother. Supported by CARES Work, Zainab's clinic has become a beacon of hope in her community. Zainab's spirit extends to CARES Work worldwide, aiming to ensure every mother's safety during childbirth. Learn more at care.org slash Mother's Day. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. 
Okay. We should do that. Are we ready to move on to number four? Yes, number and, four. And I don't think we should spend too much no, too much time on this, this one. This one we were talking about. I kind of actually spoiled it already. All right, self-driving cars, and uh, so number four, self-driving cars, and and Google and Audi have already really been working on this the most. I think mm-hmm. um, we've seen you know the Google cars that you know famously kind of appeared out of nowhere, and they said, "Hey, surprise! We've already got three hundred thousand miles under our belt uh, mm-hmm. on a car with no driver." Yeah. Now, there is a human sitting behind the wheel on these tests, uh, but the laws in California and Nevada have changed to allow for testing of this vehicle. And um, this dates back. We, we go back to this concept a lot because it is so true that so much technology in civilian and mainstream vehicles comes from either racing, the military, and DARPA for years had a competition uh, to – the, the grand urban challenge, I think, to figure out how to build and operate an autonomous vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google is going gangbusters with this thing. I mean, you know, the laws are being changed. Sure, yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're looking to develop new laws so that in different states so they can continue their testing. Right now they test in California and Nevada. I think you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're looking for other states as well, you know, in order to... Uh, I uh, just well increase the you know the uh, the testing zone I guess so that you know they have more situations more um, more understanding of what happens in the real world environment mm-hmm. and uh, you know we talked about in a in a podcast in detail recently about uh, the 2013 CES uh, uh, yeah. reveal of uh, the self parking Audi cars you remember those yeah yeah which is. Amazing technology. We don't want to spoil too much of it, so you can check it out. But the the idea essentially is that this vehicle is smart enough to go busy itself and find its own parking space and then come back when you call it. It's like it's its own valet. Really. Yeah. It, it really drops is. you off at the door at the uh, at the mall or wherever, mm-hmm. and then it comes and picks you up when you're done. And, it's, it, it's, it, and it parks in between. Amazing. And it really works, and it does need some infrastructure to make it work but um this will be something that people are able to buy and of course there's the uh, audi autonomous pikes peak hill climb uh, car mm-hmm. that you know that, that infamously ran up pikes peak without a driver that was really cool um so audi's really working on this as well and uh, i think you know that's again another thing where they said they're a decade out from really having anything on this, so right. a lot of these, like we've mentioned many times in the past, you know, about ten years out. That's what they kind <laughs> of they like to hint that you know it's on its way. Yeah, there's another thing that we should talk about with these. This was something that really, really caught my eye with this article. What's that? Platooning. So, this would be imagine you have your self-driving cars and you have this option you can select for them to platoon together. Uh, I can't help but think of it as a pod of dolphins or a school of fish on mm-hmm. the road. And it kind of reminds me of how uh, bikers will uh, congregate on the road into into a, ride, uh, a riding group. And uh, with platooning, these self-driving cars would act as one unit when possible. Hmm. I think it would look really cool in a well, film. Well, it may. I uh, wonder how... I wonder, just wonder how annoying that would be to other drivers. Yeah, when you're stuck behind it. Yeah, maybe. And it, and the little, uh, dashboard 
pops up with a message that says, would you like to join the platoon? And you're like, no, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 thank you. Shortcut, alternate yeah. route. <laughs> and that brings us to number three. Number three, which is a really cool one, in my mm-hmm. opinion. This is my favorite one. Augmented reality dashboards. And, uh, and BMW is a manufacturer that's already working on this. In fact, they have a, a little bit of this already in their current vehicles. Yes, it is a true story. But what what are we saying when we say well, augmented? Well, we're not talking about like a heads up display. In, we're not talking about the holodeck. No, no, no. There's a there's a heads up display that that a lot of people are already familiar with. It'll show like RPM and maybe um, you know miles per hour things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, what we're talking about is um, objects that appear highlighted on your windshield with maybe a box around them. That, that either clarifies what they are, describes what they are, shows movement, something like that. Um, this is, to me, this is almost like, you know, when the, uh, you know, in a lot of the, the action films, like the, uh, the helicopter, uh, pilot will flip down the lens and then there's, you know, like, uh, there's all this, mati- uh, information mm-hmm. provided for the pilot on his, uh, on his flip down lens and, uh, yeah. it shows him, um, you know, the approaching rates and, you know, like what, what's over here and what's moving his direction. And there's Trajectory, a, uh, exactly, speed, yeah, altitude. terrible way for me to describe it, but, uh, that's what I feel it's like almost in that, um, yeah. it's a, it's an overlapping display that clarifies what the driver sees. Right. So the, the function of this, now I know a lot of people will hear something like this and react adversely and say the number one valid concern with this kind of technology Is this too distracting for the driver? Mm -hmm. I would argue for the, I would argue there's definitely a learning curve Mm -hmm. that's gonna, that's gonna be inevitable when this comes out. However, to emphasize your point, Scott, this technology is meant to clarify, not befuddle the uh this driving situation yeah it won't it won't appear like you're driving a video game or, or in a video game or something like that it's going to uh it's just going to let's say that it's really foggy night mm-hmm. and far in the distance the vehicle via radar or whatever picks up that there's a deer ready to cross the road yeah and uh, you don't see it yet because it's you know 100 yards out or 100 mm-hmm. meters or whatever out um it may quickly throw up a small box on the screen mm-hmm. in relation to where that deer would be in your field of vision and indicate to you that there's something that's moving out there. It's a person. It's a deer. Yeah. It's a it's a stalled vehicle. Whatever it happens to be, um, and just alert you that there's something on the side of the road that you should be watching for in the next five seconds or however long it takes you to get there. I should correct myself. How's that? I said befuddle. Mm-hmm. Um, I should have said obfuscate. Very good. <laughs> Very good. But, you know, uh, oh, one one thing yeah. before we move on from this, because um, now BMW does have a little bit of a uh, oh yeah, as you said, a, a version of this in production already, but it's real basic. It's not anything mm-hmm. like what they're talking about creating, because um, they haven't fully got you know gotten to the point where they're ca- they're capable of showing you everything and describing everything. And right, there's a there's a sensor issue for some of that too. Exactly. But, but now, um, they do have, as you said, a a windshield that shows some basic stuff. True, true. But when, you're talking about the other thing. I want to, I want to tell you to talk about something different because they, there's a hint here that um, they're talking about augmented reality for service technicians. Yeah. And this is so cool. It would be in the form of glasses that the service technicians wear. And this is more like the helicopter pilot thing that I mentioned. Yeah, or Google Glass even. Okay, Google Glass, sure. I, I don't know what that is, Ben, but I'll have to look that you up right after Google Glass No, I don't. It's basically this. It's uh it's a 
it's something that looks kind of like a pair of spectacles, and there's a small lens, I believe, on the right side. Maybe mm-hmm. it's customizable on the left side that uh, gives the user additional information. You can search the internet. You can see people. That's amazing. It's it's weird. I am not sure how to feel about it. I have some legitimate privacy concerns because you see every pair of Google Glasses also has a camera. Okay. And BMW is uh, researching, as you said, the use of these augmented reality glasses so that they can look at an engine, right, Scott? And mm-hmm. look at an engine and instead of seeing it in the regular Joe Schmo people eye way, they see it with, <laughs> with a, my plain old ordinary eyes for suckers. Yeah, right. My bottom of the line, <laughs> organic eyes. Yeah. They they uh they'll be able to see through these spectacles that will show them uh which parts are having trouble. And here's the really cool part: it'll give them step by step instructions on how to fix it. Yeah, here's what I see: you open the hood, mm-hmm. and you know a small box appears at the uh, at the first the first step, and it says mm-hmm. uh, you know loosen this bolt do not remove whatever mm-hmm. then the, then step once you do that step two appears and, it, and it's it's almost walking you through this thing showing you it's 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 tough to imagine it completely what it, maybe or describe right, what i'm yeah. what i'm imagining but um this could be a really cool thing for service technicians it and, and really could could quickly like could speed up the process quite a bit i think yeah and it could also I'm sure there are some curmudgeons who will point out that this could also lead us to a future where no one actually knows how to do anything. <laughs> that's, that's true, but but wait, listen to this. How about this? Okay. What if they sold these at after auto market, um, aftermarket mm-hmm. auto parts stores? And uh, here's a pair of lenses for basic engine repair on a uh, on a Chevy Camaro. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and these glasses are one hundred dollars or whatever they happen to be, right? And you buy them and you take them home. And uh, let's say that you know after you purchase your new Camaro or Corvette or whatever I just said, you say Camaro. Camaro. Uh, you decide you want to change the oil, mm-hmm. and you put the glasses on. You head out to the garage, and it shows you step by step how to change the oil. You know, it says now move under the car and reduce your pull. And that's and, cool. And okay. What if, uh, you know, then like the next weekend you have a uh, brake job that you want to do on the thing. Mm-hmm. And same thing. You just simply program it in or tell them, you know, what to do, tell them what you want to do. And the glasses show you how to do it. And by doing that, next time you know how to do it. It's like yeah. it's, it's teaching you without we, without the, the physical manual. I like that. I like that idea. It's a much more optimistic look. And I'll see, I'll see you on that and raise you this Interesting little business proposition. So you buy your glasses to fix your Camaro and you next year you get an F-150 and instead of having to buy a new set of glasses, you could pay to download the F-150 instructions. Very cool. It's just a software update. Yeah, it's just a software update. And I, I mean, I'm, I would say, I would you know wager that people after the first or maybe even the second time they don't need to wear the glasses anymore, and they do know how to do that. I and, bet you're right, especially and, for basic auto maintenance. And a lot of that stuff is applicable for other models as well. So, like mm-hmm. once you know how to change the oil on a, on a Camaro, you know how to change the oil on uh, you know the, the F one fifty. Yeah, that's a Basically. good point. But that's not. Although that is my favorite thing, the AR dashboard is my favorite thing on the list. It is not really the craziest thing because what we're about to talk, uh, what we're about to hit on next. Belongs in a James Bond car. Yeah, this seems like a uh, high tech gadget that. Uh, yeah, I could I could picture this in a Bond movie for sure. It's airbags that help stop cars. And right, so they don't stop people in cars; they stop the whole 
car. They stopped the whole car. This is really, this is weird. This is a, um, in addition to brakes, of course, and mm-hmm. any system that would help slow the car using the, the vehicle brake systems. Now, now Mercedes-Benz is working on this already. So this is something that, uh, that they're really looking at for production. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's an airbag with a, a friction material on the, on the bag mm-hmm. that deploys beneath the vehicle if a crash is imminent, if it senses that a crash is imminent, which, you know, right. we know that they can do that, um, with their, you know, applied braking and all that. Um, it will deploy below, below the car to slow and then stop the car, stop the vehicle. Which so, is amazing. And it, this isn't just some, wouldn't it be neat engineer had the afternoon off and came up with the idea on a cocktail napkin type type of thing, Scott. This is on the ES, uh, ESF 2009. Uh, that's a S400 hybrid. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, hybrid, okay. And, and it, uh, it, this is sort of Mercedes-Benz's uh, traveling safety showcase, they like to call it. Okay. And um, they're calling this bizarre airbag the braking bag. It uh, will inflate about 80 to 100 milliseconds before your collision. And the idea behind the bag, according to the project manager, is to decelerate the car faster than you can. This bag is coated with steel and rubber, hmm. which is how it can hit the road and still, you know, so manage to inflate. So it's adding to the friction that your vehicle's tires already have on the road. It's just like it's another way to throw down more friction material in order to slow yourself down. It just makes mm-hmm. sense. It's like uh, if you're dragging your feet on a skateboard or something. Right, exactly. It'd be great if you could drag both, but then you would be off the board, right? Yeah. So you need to, you need to be able to have more friction. So it's almost like dragging a bigger shoe, really. Mm-hmm. That's, I guess, a way to think of it, and it, go, and it takes it from being a passive system, the airbags in, inside a, inside a car, right. to a, an active system. This is an active safety system in that it deploys without any driver input, other than uh, <laughs> other than you know waiting too long to brake or whatever happened, you know, to lead to that imminent collision. Right? Yes. And before we go on to more, I've got just a couple more things about the airbag, okay. and then we've also got number one, which I, I'm really interested to see what you think about this sure. one. This Mother's Day, join CARE in honoring the resilience of mothers around the world. In Sierra Leone, facing one of the world's highest maternal mortality rates, one nurse named Zainab has not lost a single mother. Supported by CARE's work, Zainab's clinic has become a beacon of hope in her community. Zainab's spirit extends to CARE's work worldwide, aiming to ensure every mother's safety during childbirth. Learn more at care.org slash Mother's Day. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Number one is energy storing body panels, Ben. Now, this is an, you got to really think about what I just said. Energy mm. storing body panels. We're not talking about energy dissipating body panels, not like crumple right. zones or anything like that. Not like heat sinks. No, no, no. We're talking about energy storing. Like if you have a hybrid vehicle, you would store, this is almost like the, the body is the battery, really. Right. Because as we know, the, current albatross around the neck of the hybrid industry is the weight, man. Just the, the batteries, the ones we have that are the type of, that supply the type of energy we need are just heavy. Well, sure. Lead acid batteries are, are way, way heavy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the, um, uh, the lithium ion batteries also, still I mean, heavy. they're still heavy. They're not, uh, the, they're I mean, not they're, as heavy. they're lighter, not as heavy, but imagine if you could create a body panel that was able to store that energy and, you know, provide the shell for the vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be every panel. It could be, you know, the back end or whatever. Sure. Um, but if you were able to create a, a panel out of a material and, and a lightweight material as well, but I mean, mm-hmm. these are made out of polyfiber and carbon resin. Um, so, you know, they're, they're lightweight to begin with. But if they were able to store that energy, um, you could do away with a lot of that battery weight. Yeah, and that could reduce the car's weight by up to 15%. Now, why is this a big deal? There's another statistic that you need to know uh, to understand why energy storing panels or basically battery panels, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. uh, why are these are so important? Well, according to a couple of predictions, most notably one by ExxonMobil, uh, 2040 is going to be the year when half of all new cars coming out of production will be hybrids. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it either. I 2040 is a long time away, Scott. That, that is a long, long time away so from now. But I, I think it's kind of tough. There, there have got to be some intervening variables there. Maybe, but there's two companies that really firmly believe this, I bet. Yep. And uh, those companies are, are both uh, Volvo and Toyota, mm-hmm. who are both working on, or they're currently working on these panels, these energy-storing body panels. Um, so you've got two major automo- uh, automobile manufacturers that are really buying into the fact that, you know, we're going to need a way to store battery power in the future that is uh, a lot more lightweight, mm-hmm. um, a lot more, I guess, a feasible way of carrying around um, all this stored energy. Right. And, of course, uh, this is where we this is where we sort of went out of our way to say the writer's number one pick, which, again, uh, doesn't these are not put in any value no. order. Right. So. Uh, the energy storing body panels are a fascinating thing, but 
they're part of a larger initiative to figure out how best to carry this stored energy. There are other uh, technologies that would also be working in conjunction with this, like regenerative braking, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, you saw that part uh, where Toyota is attempting to make the body panels also capture solar energy. Yeah, that's really cool, too. So Toyota's kind of upped the game a little bit mm-hmm. in saying that they want to add solar capture capability. Now, the regenerative braking that you mentioned, that energy would be stored in a panel um, so that, you know, just like it would in a battery now, but with less weight. Um, also, there's um, any any electricity that, you know, you've you've gathered from, you know, being, if it's a plug-in hybrid. Yeah. Uh, if you store, if you could, you know, any energy that would be stored in the battery overnight would be stored in the panels. That's the, maybe the easiest way to say <laughs> that. Um, you'd be able to reduce the size of the current battery packs, which are enormous, right? I mean, right. They're, they're really big. In fact, a lot of times they occupy... Uh, the entire area below the cabin on yeah, a lot of these cars. Absolutely. So that just gives you an idea of, of some of the, the space savings uh, mm-hmm. that these things will provide. Um, and we mentioned weight a few times, but um, I really do think that, you know, that's that's probably the biggest thing for these things. If they can reduce some of that weight, um, we've we've talked about hypercars, we've talked yeah. about weight savings and how important mm-hmm. it is and, and all that, you know, the fuel conservation. It'll make these things just that much more efficient. Right, and... We should also we should also give some verdicts on this, Scott. I think we should give some verdicts. Sure. You well, okay. So let's let's go with number one. What do you think? Future body panels going to happen? Uh, I think that in limited runs they will. I don't think that it's going to be uh, you know completely across the board. I don't think everybody will be doing this. Yeah, I don't. I agree. I think that Toyota and Volvo are definitely going to do it. They've already got sort of a sunk cost in mm-hmm. terms of time and R and D, but they don't have uh, they don't have the code cracked yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if this is going to be something. It's it's going to take a while for the technology to become affordable enough to go into a bunch of cars. Because like, remember when carbon fiber first came out? I do, and it was. Fantastically expensive. Yeah, race car stuff, and that was it. Only, only that. And now, um, you know, just a few years later, we're living in a world where carbon fiber uh, body or carbon fiber car bodies are becoming increasingly affordable. It's a reality now. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the uh, Volkswagen one liter car, the or whatever they call it now. The uh, yeah, the XL XL one, I think, is what they call it. All right, then number number two on our list, uh, yeah. the airbags that help stop cars. Now, Mercedes Benz is already doing it. You think that? Uh, you think that they're going to actually see production or maybe other automakers? Ah, that's a great question. I think they, I I think we could. It depends on two things. It depends on how much of a difference it makes in an accident, mm-hmm. not in a test, but in an accident, right? And um, and then that will influence government safety standards. Mm-hmm. So you know, airbags became. Uh, Ubiquitous, and yeah. nearly ubiquitous, and yeah. and yeah, I, I see this going into Mercedes Benz for sure. For I sure, think, Mercedes. I, I think they're definitely going to do it, and I think that uh, that's going to trickle down to other manufacturers, like you know the high end manufacturers like Infiniti and Jaguar, and sure. you know those Bugatti, maybe even Rolls and Bugatti and those guys. Um, you know, one thing that we didn't mention is that you know it it also lifts the front end of the car up to eight centimeters. So when you're braking really hard. Um, you know how the tendency is for the nose to dive down. Yeah. Uh, what what this will counter counteract that in that it lifts the front of the car back up to where it 
likely, well, where it really should be in an accident so that it's more online with most bumpers on the road or, you know, other, mm-hmm. you know, the higher the better, I guess, That's for the nose of the car. So I see this as being a safety feature that, um, you know, Mercedes is definitely, I think, going to roll this out. I, I just have a good feeling about that one. Yeah. Now, what about number uh, number three on our list, which was augmented reality dashboards? Oh, that, it's going to happen. You think so? Yeah, it's going to happen because that is that kind of approach to technology is already occurring in so many other places. And with BMW already having uh, you know a, a mild version of this already out there, right. I see BMW having their more advanced version on, let's say, their flagship cars, like their seven series cars, mm-hmm. and uh, and then who knows, maybe it'll trickle down to their other vehicles. And then other manufacturers, again, the high-end ones first, mm-hmm. like Mercedes, Infiniti, Land Rover, whoever, are going to pick yeah. that up. This is just something that I see as so um, imminent that if a car manufacturer doesn't make augmented reality dashboards, and for some reason these don't come into fruition from the manufacturers, then with the emergence of uh, flexible displays, people are going to make their own. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think the, well, the groundswell support for this. And I just crazy. hope that what we talked about before, you know, our, our dream maybe of, you know, the augmented reality glasses. Yeah. Uh, for, for, uh, private use at home, not, not just service technicians, but, you know, at home. Yeah. And if we can download programs for, let's say that I could go out and change, you know, the, uh, the head gasket on my car. Yeah. In, on a weekend and it shows me step by step how to do it. I'm going to love that. Yeah, I would love that. I think I think that uh, I, you and I can agree that everybody wants these. But what about what about number four? What about our old buddy concept, self-driving cars? Oh, absolutely. These yeah. are these are happening. But um, as we mentioned, you know, I I don't see any kind of ma- you know major infrastructure changing. I see that you know, like Audi's idea where the self-parking. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening in small pockets here and there. You know, some of the some of the malls in in major cities. Sure. I don't think it'll be as far reaching as everywhere all the time. But I mean, like Google's got their car that uh, you know drives itself without any kind of infrastructure. You don't have to have uh, you know metallic pucks buried in the surface of, everywhere. of yeah. every road on every interstate. You know, of every state. Um, I. I I think that you know things like the Google car and the Audi self-parking car. I think those two are going to happen. Okay, I, I I agree. If only because I think the uh, benefit for autonomous vehicles in military applications does make it inevitable. But I don't know if it will. You know, I don't know if we'll live in a in a world where the entirety of I seventy five now. Is, is filled with self-driving No, cars. no, 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 because that would be the infrastructure change that we we're talking about. If every vehicle conf- you know, conformed mm-hmm. to that and the infrastructure was changed, that's like the uh, the science fiction world, you know, the uh, iRobot world. Right, where, you minority know, report. Yeah, stuff. exactly, where you're just, you're, you're a passenger in the vehicle and you just, you just ride, you're, you're along for the ride, really. Yeah, and if that happens, it's, uh, it's going to take a while. Ah, it's not going to What's happen. our go-to? Ten years? In ten years, everybody yeah, will be... Not going to happen. Uh, All right, and then the last one, Ben? Yeah. Uh, vehicles that communicate with each other and the road. So this V2V communication or the V2I, what do mm-hmm. you think? Totally. It's. I, I think it's going to happen in some form. Yeah. I, I think that the primary reason it's going to happen in some form is that it's a great safety idea. So this uh, this concept... Is sort of a um, it's sort of a question of why why wouldn't you do this if mm-hmm. it's possible? And it's already happening. In, it's already in, happening in you know in small doses, I guess, mm-hmm. here and there. So um, you know, just this, the change would be 
uh, from one vehicle to the next. Now, vehicles are already communicating with infrastructure, and they're seeing and they're 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 uh, they're doing collision avoidance system things, and you know they're they're able to maintain lanes and all that. So, I, it's not too much of a leap to say that yeah they're going to start communicating mm. even if it's within like let's say that all General Motors cars can communicate with other General Motors cars to begin with cool and then suddenly you know Ford may say like we're going to do the same thing but you know what it'd be really cool if we could also communicate with General Motors cars right and that uh, you know just make it even that much better and that much safer and, and then Toyota, and so on Hyundai. exactly exactly so I have instead of uh, listener mail I actually have one more thing what have you got so here's something that did not make it on our five future car technologies that truly have a chance. And it's because it's wild speculation. It's okay. more of a question. All, All right. right. You ready? Um, I think so. Okay. 3D printers and car parts. Imagine being able to uh, fabricate a part that you need. Now, I think Jay Leno has done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he used 3D printers to fabricate a part for... Yeah, metal his, printers, right? Yeah, his steam-powered car, was it? Yeah, I believe so. And um, I think that the question here is uh, one of, you know, material science composites that could withstand the rigors of an engine. But but what do you think? Do you think that there's a future for uh, 3D printed car parts? I absolutely do. Yeah, especially as, uh, as some of these older makes and models start to, uh, they get older and older, yeah. and the parts go away, and, you know, they're not making, you know, um, original equipment parts anymore. You know, you have to go, to, you have to rely on auto, aftermarket, rather. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that a lot of people are going to find that, you know, just suddenly there isn't a bumper for my car anymore. They, they just, I cannot find it. I can't mm-hmm. find a used one. I can't find a, a uh, you know, one that was left on a shelf in some dealership somewhere. Right. I can't find anybody that's willing to sell me a parts car. There are literally no unbroken headlights for my vehicle yeah, in yeah. the world. What do I do? So I think that, I think that in a lot of cases, um, you know, something like this would be advantageous, you know, to be able to print your own mm-hmm. part, of course. Uh, time consuming. And you'd have to know what type of metal, you know, to use for each situation because that's important mm-hmm. in, uh, in engine, you know, engine parts and, um, you know, suspension parts, whatever. You, right. you can't use a, a metal that's too soft or too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there's, there's a lot of angles that have to be thought of here, but I think that it's possible. Yeah. Would it be, would it affect, uh, brick and mortar auto shops, auto parts shops, the way that Amazon is affected? Booksellers, you know. Well, only if the technology is affordable enough, right? Oh yeah, that's that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I think it comes down to cost because if I could afford a, a, a printer that would just print my own parts, mm-hmm. why would I ever have to go to you know a, a big box store in order to get you know um, spark plugs or whatever? I could make my own. Oh, holy smokes! That reminds me, I forgot. Does our audience know that we have a 3D printer in our office? Yeah, we do have one, don't we? Yeah, it's it doesn't print anything in metal. Uh, it uses this uh, bright green plastic composite, <laughs> but but it, it makes some cool stuff, you guys. Um, you can also check out, um, let's see, Stuff to Blow Your Minds YouTube series has a really cool piece on there uh, on our 3D printer. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, it's part of uh, my department. Let me really? brush my shoulders off here. Yeah, you can see the actual 3D printer that Ben has in his department. <laughs> that, that I'm probably not allowed to touch, right? <laughs> probably not. It's a very um, expensive toy. But yeah, maybe maybe we can um, 
print some cool stuff out with that. Maybe we can uh, print out some model cars, put them on the Facebook or something. Yeah, some tiny cars. They in yeah, green. We can't print out a life-size working replica of a vehicle yet, um, but we're on it. And while you and I go to figure that out, let's go ahead and ask our listeners what they think about future car technologies. Do you think? Uh, do you think that these will spell doom for the American driver or the, the global driver? Man, that's dramatic. Will it just be too much stuff going on? Yeah, I you know understand what, I mean? what you mean. Like, because what we just painted, if all this stuff happens, we just painted a world where somebody's basically along for the ride in their car, playing Angry Birds on their windshield. More or less. And, you know, when they get in a wreck... They, they bump up eight centimeters in the air, mm-hmm. and they wait for the robo-police. Then they just go home and print their own parts. Then they go home and they print out their new bumper. Um, so do you guys think this is likely? Do you think it's a good idea? You can let us know on Facebook, and you can drop us a line on Twitter. And if you don't do either of those, but you still want to talk to us, you can send us an email at carstuff at discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.